This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Evan Lestler. Evan is the CEO and creative director of Adapt Clothing, Inc., based in San Francisco, California. The brand offers a range of clothing and lifestyle products focused on Bay Area culture, music, and sports, and have collaborated over the years with the likes of Colin Kaepernick, E40, Jägermeister, and many others. He got his start designing at the University of California, Davis. And upon graduating, worked as a designer for Apple while also building his fledging brand. In 2012, he was able to leave the corporate world entirely to focus on Adapt full time. Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. We're Happy so to be here. We're so excited to have you on the show. Evan, let's hop right into it, man. Like, tell us like what your up- upbringing was like and how you got into design as a passion. Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in a town called Fairfield, which is basically about an hour or so drive, depending on traffic from San Francisco. Um, My family. So we grew up out there. And then my parents. So we grew up going to a church in San Francisco's Chinatown, which was actually where my grandfather was a pastor. Uh, He was there for over 40 years. He was the, the head pastor. So Growing up, I kind of split my time between Fairfield and San Francisco. I'd be there on Sundays and then, you know, I had, I had friends out there. So I would kind of stay there sometimes for a few days and then come back. So it's kind of like this, this shared experience, but um, yeah, so grew up in, in, in Fairfield and kind of um, I always, I always knew or from a pretty young age that I wanted to do something in potentially in clothing. Um, I was really, you know, I was one of those kids that I wouldn't spend my money on video games, girls going out. None of that stuff is all pretty much all clothes and, and accessories and things like that. So, you know, I, I, that's kind of what I was interested in and um, probably from, yeah, from, from high school, junior, senior year is when I really had solidified that I do want to get into the clothing industry in some capacity, whether that's working for a company that I liked or trying to do my own thing. So I think from a pretty young age, you know, as it pertains, you know, in, in relation to most other people, I think I was pretty targeted in what I wanted to do from a pretty young age. Um, so, so yeah, I, I did that. Um, and then I kind of, you know, I went to college. I, and that's kind of when I launched the brand, um, while I was in school and after college, I worked corporate for seven years. Um, I was at a company called CNET and then Apple. Um, and while I was kind of at those companies, I was moonlighting with adapt and kind of just, you know, I get home at six, seven o'clock work at adapt till like one or two. And that was my daily routine. I, 
really didn't hang out with any of my friends. I didn't watch any TV. I didn't go see movies. I didn't really do much of anything for a certain period of time, just because I was so, um, all of my time was, was monopolized with, with the clothing and with work. So, um, it was a pretty, yeah, it was a pretty interesting kind of time. I don't know. Do you want me to just give the whole timeline until we are today or is that a good little intro? That's a good little intro for sure. Okay. Okay. You really highlighted the side hustle thing, you know, before side hustle was a cool thing to have. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, you know, the side hustle is great, but it's the sacrifice you make is, is your free time. So, um, you know, in, in my case, you know, a lot of people who go into entrepreneurial endeavors, they, you know, they'll quit the full-time gig and kind of focus on that hundred percent. My story is a little different because, you know, I ran it in tandem with my full-time job for seven years, right. uh, which is a pretty conservative approach. I mean, we were, the brand was doing well. I mean, we, the, the reason that I finally left, which was in, I think 2012 or 13 to do, to do it out full-time was that, um, I physically just didn't have the time anymore. Like I couldn't, the amount of money that I was losing working at Apple, it just, the math didn't work out anymore. And so, you know, I probably should have left Apple two or three years before I did, but because I was just trying to be totally sure. Cause you know, it's a great job. And like, I just wanted to make totally sure I'm making the right decision. But you know, I, I do think that I probably could have kind of excelled the brand a little bit more. Had I, had I left a little earlier? Yeah. yeah. I think your story is it resonates with a lot of us mm-hmm. because a lot of us are working our side hustles after our jobs. And then that question, no matter where you are in life, will always come up. It's like, should I leave my job for my side hustle? Because that feeling is never easy. You know, like you, you have your doubts, like we're all human beings. Like you have that doubt, like, can I do this? Can I make it a thing? And sometimes, you know, when things don't work out, it would adapt as a couple months. Oh, thank God I have my job, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that mentality kind of holds you down. But, you know, eventually you meet the jump and you never look back, you know. And that's the one thing that we want to hammer into our audience too. It's like, it may seem uncertain at that point, but hindsight 2020, when you look back, it's going to be the best decision, the best decision that, that you ever made. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think your, yeah, your story is definitely a little bit different. Like some people just jump right into it. Like I'm just going to quit my job, quit my full-time job and do entrepreneurship full-time. But I liked how, you know, because you mentioned, you know, in previous interviews that you had the financial backing from Apple to help you kind of build adapt. So I think that's really interesting. And, you know, I'm very curious, how did you come up with the name adapt and what does it mean to you? Yeah. So, um, Adapt is, so when I was in high school, it was in my science class, I was just doodling and I kind of was playing with these shapes. And if you think of like, you know, kind of like on the old play buttons on a DVD player, it's that triangle kind of thing. So, and then there's like the pause button, that's the two vertical lines. So I took the triangle and one of the vertical lines and basically turned those shapes to spell out the word adapt. So you know, if you look at a triangle, it kind of looks like an A, kind of looks like an uppercase D, you know, the general form. So ADAPT was what I could spell with those shapes. And then the idea was the D kind of looks like the play button. So it was like adapt as in like moving forward, advancing. So it's kind of a play off of that. And really it was just because that was kind of the only word that I could spell that was simple from those shapes. But since then it's really 
I mean, the word adapt has become so important for just life. I mean, look at COVID, right? COVID is the epitome of adapting. We've all adapted in some way, whether you have a small business, you work for another company that's, you know, working remote now, or, or, you know, you're running a restaurant or whatever the case may be. Everyone really has to adapt to what's going on right now in particular. Um, but I mean, just over, you know, the 17 and a half years I've been doing this, you know, adapt, the word adapt has really come into play in so many different instances, you know, and, you know, that was never really the intention with, with the name, but it really just, I'm glad that that's the name that I picked because it really is applicable to so many things. You know, it's, it's a simple thing. It's easy to remember. So it, I think the, the name has really kind of come into its own over the past, the past uh, decade or so, but um, yeah, that was kind of the reason it was kind of random why, why that word was chosen. So speaking of the name adapt, how have you adapted over the years from post-college into, <laughs> yeah. into COVID currently? Oh man, so many ways. I mean, every, every component of the brand. I mean, for one, just how do I, where do I run the brand? So like when we first started, I was at my apartment in UC Davis and I had roommates and, you know, I filled up like our kitchen area with these like clear sterilite bins of clothes and I guess people were cool with it. They didn't really complain, but I kind of felt bad. I was taking up like the, the general space with my own stuff. So, um, but you know, even, even just adapting in a, in a space environment. So, you know, and then my, my first place out of college, um, was an apartment in San Francisco when I was working for CNET. So I had to move all my stuff in there. I set up a table so I could like sew labels into the necks of the shirts. And then from there we moved to Oakland and I was able to get a warehouse there. And then, so really just the, the adapting to the new living spaces I was in. Cause pretty much everywhere that I lived, I had to have space for the inventory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that was one thing, um, adapting to market trends. So, you know, there was a time when this brand or this, this company called Karma Loop, which is this really big internet retailer in the you know mid uh, 2000s to the early 2010s, that was kind of like, the mall of all streetwear, which is kind of, you know, the clothing industry that we're within. Um, and so, you know, eventually they went away. So, you know, they were a huge part of our business. So we had to kind of figure out how to transition from them to, you know, other, other channels for sales, like including our website and, and other retailers and stuff. So, um, there's been, yeah, there's, I think in pretty much every aspect of the business, there's, you have to adapt to, um, you know, the market changes or your own personal financial situations or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, yeah. So like another good example would be a lot of the stuff we do is very sports themed. So, you know, particularly with Bay area sports. So, you know, the giants had incredible runs in the, um, early 2010s and, you know, with the warriors more recently, the 49ers. So all of these, you know, because we're so, like many of our customers know us for that product. So it's like when, when certain things happen with certain teams, we have to really adapt to the the market because it can go from zero to a hundred, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And people want, you know, everybody's going to want stuff at the same time, you know, if the Super Bowl is coming up or whatever the case may be. So we really have to, um, I keep a close eye on what's happening 
you know, in society, in, in sports, in culture, just whatever, whatever's going on. Cause we, we create products that kind of cater to those markets and, you know, people have certain expectations of what they want us to put out and produce. So, so we, we, we pay a lot of attention to our customers as well. Um, they tell us what they want us to make and, and things like that. And we, and we try to listen as much as possible. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of um, adapting and adjusting to, to market environments. Yeah. Amazing. I love how, you know, you framed all of that. You definitely have to be kept up to date with like sports, especially because your line is like catered to sports and music and pop culture. And I love how you're always like up to date with that. And I also wanted to point out, you know, when you talked about how your roommates back in Davis didn't care that you had all these boxes everywhere. If you have ever been to Evan's like warehouse to all the listeners or his store in SF, so organized. it's so organized. <laughs> Everything is like labeled. Organized chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it's boxed in like this organized way. I think that's why, you know, your roommate didn't even care because you were so organized. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about your collaboration with different people and different brands too. Like, was this all organic? Did you hustle your way to these connections? Like how did all these um, collaborations happen? Yeah. And how did you choose like which artists and models to work with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, those are great, great questions. Um, I think, so when I think back on the first one, so, so, Basically every collaboration that we've done and we've done probably hundreds by now. I mean, all different kinds of like either it's food companies or brands or artists or entertainers or whatever the case may be. But um, I think there, I would have to say that the vast majority of them are from direct relationships. So if I, if I recall correctly, the very first one we ever did was this female rapper named Hopi Spitzhard and she she was based in San Francisco and this was probably in 2007 or eight or something like that. And, um, she had come in to, to model for, we had just launched our, our women's, um, clothing, clothing lines. So, you know, she, we had a mutual friend or something and she came in to model and then we were like, Hey, let's, let's do some shirts together and stuff. So, you know, and, and it was super organic. It's, you know, we, we obviously liked each other and, and, and wanted to work together. So, Um, and I think from there, it's all like, it's all just people you meet people you work with. And they're like, Hey, you know, I know the guys that are in this hip hop group or whatever, you know, you guys should do a shirt together kind of thing. And, um, it just kind of snowballs, right. Cause as, as the brand gets more well-known as you meet more people, um, there's more opportunities to do things. Um, so I think for the most part, they're, they're pretty organic, um, and, you know, which is great. Cause I think that's, that's the best way to do it. I think it's, you know, as opposed to just, you know, randomly working with some other entity because you want to, you want to have more reach or something, but, you know, uh, but there is those obvious advantages, advantages as well to collaborating. You, you kind of like, you know, you're, I'm exposed to, you know, for example, her, her music, you know, her, her supporters with her music are going to hear about my brand and then they're going to hit. And then, um, you know, likewise, you know, it kind of works vice versa as well. So, um, there's a lot of benefits to, to collaboration and I, and, and they're a lot of fun because it's just, it kind of gives you something a little bit different that you might not normally think about, you know, from a different angle and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm very curious. How do you manage to make sure that your brand stands out from the rest of like the Bay area clothing companies? Cause there's so many, you know, there's so many others. How do you make sure that you stand out? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, so when we were first 
kind of starting and trying to get our name out there. Um, we like, I, I tried to come from a different angle. So I, you know, I always loved sports logos and I always loved aesthetics that come with, with sports. And then, you know, growing up in the Bay area, I'm a fan of the fans of the local teams. So, mm. and I, there were, I guess there was some people doing things like that, I guess. But I think from our angle, we tried to come from a, from a position that I had never seen before where it's kind of like, Hey, we're going to reference these, these entities and these teams, but in a way that is new and, you know, without kind of infringing on their, on their trademarks and things like that. And just kind of creating a, a new avenue to pique people's interest, you know, if they're interested in certain teams and then also streetwear, it's just kind of like that crossover. So I think, we kind of paved our own little lane there in, in the sense of like the way that we made the graphics. They're, they're kind of, they're very simple. They're very, um, they usually have some type of wordplay or, or text type of image that gets a larger message across in a very simple way. And I think we kind of carved our own path in, in terms of that. And that's kind of what we became known for, you know, at least locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me personally, you know, I, I do the majority of the designs for the, for the company. So, you know, I tried to use my own experience and my own design aesthetic to create something that's pretty unique, um, you know, but also within this kind of larger streetwear community that, you know, there's a certain aesthetic that comes along with that. So, you know, I, I don't know as it pertains to what other brands do to differentiate, you know, how they try to do it, but I knew that I needed to stand out from other brands because like you said, you know, there's so much competition. There's so many different people trying to do the same thing, but I do think that we were pretty successful in establishing our own design language that, you know, people, you know, it, it sort of got to the point where people would see other brands doing stuff and they'd be like, Hey, that looks like adapt, you know? So, and just the fact that somebody says that it lets you know that, we've, you know, created our, our sort of own lane in terms of like the way that our stuff looks. And I think that was important, you know, in establishing, you know, who we are as a brand. I love that. I love that people could recognize that design and be like, that's adapt. That's Evan's design, you know, and just wondering too, like, what was a breakthrough collaboration that put adapt through the roof where you're like, wow, like all these other, all these other collaborations are now coming in because of this one collaboration that we did. Yeah. So, I mean, so there were a couple really big ones for us. Um, collaborating with Colin Kaepernick was, it was a huge one. You know, he, at the time it was through, uh, this DJ, DJ Amen that I, that I worked with on another collaboration and we ended up, you know, becoming friends and stuff. And he, he was kind of connected to him. And, you know, at the time he had just kind of, begun starting for the 49ers and um you know he had he had a few incredible seasons with the team and it was like we we did these collaborations kind of right when that was popping off and just the timing everything was crazy and you know we had just released you know some some red and gold themed graphics that were that were doing really well and it's just a lot of things converged um at the same time and so i think in terms of a lot of people's recognition of us as a brand or kind of just knowing who we were, that, that certainly helped a lot. Um, we did a shirt that said 93 till with, uh, this brand hieroglyphics, which is a, 
which is a hip hop group based in Oakland. Uh, you know, they're, they're very well respected within, you know, the hip hop community, kind of the golden era of that, of that, uh, scene. And, you know, the, sh the shirt 93 till, which is based on one of their very popular, um, songs with the subgroup souls of mischief, which is kind of an offshoot of hieroglyphics, but that shirt was incredibly, incredibly popular. Um, we got a lot of, uh, recognition within the hip hop community at large, you know, not just within the Bay area. Um, so that was, a, that was a big one for us. That was a lot of fun. And we ended up doing a lot of other stuff with those guys. Um, certainly working with E40, you know, one of the most legendary artists out here in the Bay area, love working with him because, you know, a lot of what he speaks to and just kind of his, his fan base. And, you know, there's a lot of crossover with our customers and, you know, also being fans of adapt and being fans of E40. So there, there are definitely a lot of collaborations that I've been really proud of, you know, over the years and, and a lot of smaller entities as well. It could be like just random, you know, some random restaurant or something that I really like and respect what they, what they do. So it's, it's yeah. Any, any time that we get to work with other people, especially locally, I think is a lot of fun. And it just, it just is our way of, you know, working with the community and kind of being a community based brand as well. So yeah, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of really great, great ones over the years. Yeah. Amazing. I, I really like that too. And, you know, I hear you talking about gold blooded and 93 till let's talk about the trademarks behind that. Like the trademarks <laughs> <Yeah>. things. <laughs> Yeah. So trademark, I mean, that's a big part of, um, it's funny because so this industry streetwear is kind of like a lot of the meat and potatoes of, you know, these brands and certain things that they get popular from, they're kind of like referencing other logos or like flipping some brand logo or something like that. So, you know, obviously there's, there's trademarking things that can come up with those issues you know, we, we do trademark, you know, certain things like, like gold blooded, for example, that's kind of our signature, one of our signature products that we sell. So of course that's trademarked, um, you know, so there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, issues come up, you know, here and there, sometimes it could be people infringing on ours. You know, we, I would say, you know, 90% of our popular designs, I've personally seen like bootlegs of them, whether online or in person, you know, selling stuff at the giant stadium or whatever. But, um, there's, there's always people that are going to want to kind of capitalize on the stuff that you're doing. And, and, you know, if, if it's kind of like where they reference it and make it different, that's one thing. But if they're just like blatantly ripping something off, it's a little bit, that's kind of what I have more of an issue with. Um, but certainly, you know, we get sent letters from companies saying, Hey, you need to stop doing this or that. Um, and then just as much, we have to send things to other people. So there, you know, trademarking. Yeah. It's, it's a big, it's a big part of the industry. It's a big part of, I think whenever you're producing a product, you know, as it pertains to patents and trademarks, there's always going to be, if you're at all out there, you're going to hear from somebody or you're going to have to send somebody a letter or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's been like, I always tell people if I, if I ever leave the fashion game, I'm going to go into, you know, I'm going to become like a trademark lawyer or something because <laughs> I've certainly learned a lot about that industry as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I heard a lot about adapt and I grew up in the Bay area. I grew up in San Francisco and I was, you grew up in sunset too. I grew up in sunset. Oh, perfect. 
So, Perfect. you know, I would see Adapt every time I like drove to work and, you know, it, it was such like a well-known. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. It's such a well-known brand. And I feel like you've done a lot to build such a good community within Adapt and around Adapt. How are you able to build such a strong community for your brand? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So for me personally, it, I, I do attribute a lot of that to um, the fact that I'm sort of the, the main person that runs the brand. I do the design. Um, I've never really had like partners. So, you know, it's, you kind of form a little bit more of a special relationship with the customer. So like, I'm pretty transparent. Like I kind of, I think, I think a lot of our customers know that I run the company and I do the designs and stuff. So it's a little bit more accessible, right? Like if you shop at H&M or something, you have no idea who who's running the company, where are these designs coming from? What is their message? What are they, you know, what are they all about? So I think because people know that it's a little bit more personal and I like to incorporate, you know, personal tastes of mine, things that I like, even if they're obscure or whatever, like I'll actually integrate those into the graphics. And so you know, for people, if they can relate to, to that or whatever, it, it creates an extra connection as well. Um, but I think having that, you know, just being a little bit more like, hey, I'm running this company and this is who I am kind of thing. It, it creates that connection. You know, I, about five years ago, I got, I got really sick and I was unable to really do a lot of designing or running of the company. Thankfully, my aunt, she's, she's our warehouse manager. So she was able to handle all that stuff in, in the meantime. But, you know, I, I literally just sent, you know, cause we have email lists and we sent out blasts, you know, and I just said, Hey, you know, this is Evan. I'm really sick. I got this, this type of sickness. And like, just letting you know that I'm not going to really be, be available for probably the next year or so. So, you know, if you see that we're not putting out as much product or maybe we're not shipping as fast as we used to, or whatever the case may be, like, you know, this is why. And you know, I got, I got a ton of responses from people that were, you know, just words of encouragement. Um, they understood the situation and just, I think having that transparency is really important for our brand. Um, and I think that it's something that is unique to a small business because you actually have the ability to connect with your customers in that way. Right. I could personally respond if I wanted to, to every single customer inquiry that we get, you know, I mean, it'd be, it'd be difficult, but it could be done. And, you know, with a larger company, you don't have that ability to have that connection as much. So um, I think that's, that's an important part of the business that I would like to keep kind of that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, that that does contribute to the relationship that we do have with our customers. Yeah, I think transparency is so important with building any community, you know, because once you lose that trust, it's really hard to get that trust back. And I think for your brand, it's for the community always, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate appreciate that a lot. And I'm, I'm we're glad to see you're doing better as yeah. well. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's well, it was like a five year <laughs> treatment and all this craziness. I mean, it's, um, you definitely appreciate, you know, being healthy when you're not healthy. Yeah. And so like now, you know, my takeaway from that whole experience is like, whenever my friends, you know, they, they, talk about going to the doctor or anything. I'm always like, Hey, just, if you do anything, just get like a blood panel, maybe like every six months, if you can, but at least once a year, because, um, 
you never know, right? What's lurking under there. Hopefully it's nothing bad, but uh, you don't want to get caught off guard. So yeah. glad you're doing better, Evan. No, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, running Adapt as a solo entrepreneur, hats off to you. I, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> you know, like, like I said, man, there, there are periods where like, I didn't know what was going on with, I, I literally <laughs> didn't know any show that was on TV. I didn't know any movie that was out. Like you gotta, you gotta make those trade-offs right sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, what is it like being like a solo entrepreneur, especially when you have those huge moments of doubt where you don't have your co-founder to depend on to kind of push you through these tough times. Like, how do you how do you push through these tough times as a solo entrepreneur? Yeah, it's it's certainly a, a trade-off. So there were absolutely times, particularly near the beginning, when I was thinking, hey, you know, maybe I should have a partner because mm-hmm. you shoulder all of the the good and the bad, right? But anytime it's tough, anytime it's like it's really nice to have, you know, another person to bounce stuff off of, hey, what should we do in this situation? You know, what do you think about this idea and that idea? So it, it was, you know, it's in the end, I think I'm, I'm really glad that I do it solo, but there are absolutely instances where it would have been very advantageous to have a partner who's equally invested in the brand. Mm-hmm. So, so for the pros, I think that as a designer, I'm very picky and I'm very particular. So that was probably the major pusher there for, for why I did it the way that I did. I didn't really want to have to get approvals or, you know, get, you know, people to say what they like or dislike about something. It like kind of, if I feel like I want to do it, I'm just going to do it when it comes to a graphic. And having that freedom, I think, is really important, particularly as a designer, as a creative person. You don't really want to have to run everything by somebody who might not have the same aesthetic or might not have the same kind of understanding of what you're trying to get across. So I didn't want to run into those roadblocks. So from a design standpoint, I think it was very good that I that I just did it myself. And it got me to do things that I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, and so, so yeah, but, you know, as it pertains to business considerations, um, you know, even financially, right? Like I could have, you know, I had to spend all my own money when I was starting. So obviously having a dual, dual income situation would have been certainly helpful in, you know, Hey, we can print more shirts this month because we have more money, you know? So there's that. And there's, you know, if legal things do come up, right. It's, you kind of want additional eyes on it or, you know, not just my own thoughts about what I should do. Like I, I certainly could have used some support during those types of situations, but, you know, kind of, as I continued on throughout the years, I I started meeting more people, you know, working with more people. So I, I kind of had that support system in place, um, kind of just through, you know, we, we would have, you know, I would work with all of these different clothing brands and that were all from the Bay and we kind of would knock, you know, Oh, what's the best, best way to, you know, ship out this amount of shirts, you know, to New York or something. So there's all these little tips and tricks that you learn from different people. So, um, but yeah, I think there are absolutely pros and cons to, to either being solo or having, having partners. Um, and I, you know, my situation was just, I kind of just made it work and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, how we were able to 
to navigate it. Props yeah. to you, man. Yeah, that's, to you. that's hard. I mean, yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, without Maggie, I'll probably die. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, so you guys are a great example. You're a, you're a perfect duo. And, you know, there are certain instances where it makes perfect sense to, to do it, to do it that way, you know? And I don't know what it would have been like had I had a partner, had we, you know, we could have been a bigger company than we are, or we could have just gone in different directions. Like who, who really knows? But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 it's unknown, but you guys are doing a great job with the duo. So, so keep that up. Absolutely. Likewise. I, I know it's so much harder to do as solo. So that's why we're looking at you like, you. Yeah. damn, Evan, how do you do this thing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know, but, but I think, you know, but with you guys, so to, to that point, you know, AHN might be something completely different if it was not both of your minds, you know, working together, figuring out, Hey, what's the next step we take? you know, how should we pivot in this situation? What's the next, you know, goal that we want to reach? And that's, that's collectively both of you working together and figuring out what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. agree. Yeah. And so, you know, we know that some of your designs are also Asian inspired on top on the topic of AHN, you know, we see on your inspo board behind you, you know, you have some designs that are, you know, in Japanese characters and whatnot. Yeah. Love to know, like, what your thoughts are on being Asian American in this industry. You understand you're also half, right? Yeah. Kevin? I am. Yeah. So, yes. Okay. yes. So half Chinese, half Caucasian. So um, I, yeah, I think Asian culture in my, my life and my design sensibilities in particular has definitely, it's kind of permeated the whole thing. So, so like I mentioned at first, I grew up, going to San Francisco, Chinatown every Sunday, mm-hmm. literally since I was born. So the, and, and, and it was a, it was a Chinese Baptist church. It's, it's called FCBC. So I was, you know, Chinese culture was, has always kind of been a part of my life um, just by default. And so those sensibilities and those aesthetics, I kind of are kind of ingrained in me. Um, and just being, in Chinatown every Sunday, you know, playing with the pigeons. And, and so like, you know, the first, the first, the first kind of logo that we had used back in the day was, was a pigeon. And that was based on, you know, I'd run up and stand my feet and all the pigeons would go fly. I just messed with these things. <laughs> they, they always represented to me the, um, this urban grittiness, right? Like you can never shake the pigeon. You'll never catch the pigeon It's never scared of you. Like it just hangs out. It does its thing. And it's just part of the the streets themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I always thought it was such an iconic kind of symbol of what we represented as a Bay Area brand, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, so so growing up in in, in Chinatown, you know, just kind of playing in those spaces, um, I grew, you know, in terms of other kind of Asian inspired stuff. So, you know, I was into anime, you know, as a kid, um, Akira is this, anime that came out in the eighties that he was just a huge inspiration for me graphically. Like I I always thought it was just the visuals of it were so ahead of the game. Like anything that any U S kind of cartoon company was, was making. So like just the aesthetics of it, you know, and we've, we've incorporated um, that into numerous graphics that we've done. Um, and, and, and if you think about it, right, a lot of entertainment, a lot of 
a lot of the visuals that we have here are from Japan. I mean, Japan really is the starting point for a lot of those aesthetics. And so, you know, yeah, we, we probably within the past couple of years, we kind of did this katakana version of adapt with, with these Japanese characters that, you know, people really, really liked. It's very aesthetically kind of pleasing. So we, we've been, we've been integrating that as well more and more. Um, we've had designs that I've, I've, um, we've kind of used Chinese characters and, and different, different things. Um, so I think it's just kind of, it's kind of interwoven itself through, um, throughout the history of the brand. Um, alphanumeric, which is this, this clothing brand that was one of the main inspirations for me to start my brand. Um, they were, they were from the late nineties and one of their big things was like, they had a lot of, um, so like they were a skateboard company, but they had a lot of minorities like Asians and blacks and, and pretty much everything that were part of the team, which is very unusual at the time for, you know, if you think of like skating in general, it's a little bit more of like a, like a white sport, you could say. So I always found that very interesting. And, um, I liked the diversity element. And so I think that probably had some type of subliminal, you know, effects on me over the years as well as I, as I kind of, um, you know, grew the brand. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. And, um, I have to ask this question because, you know, for the longest time we saw the billboard at Oracle of Ashley V and I would love to know, like, how did that happen? And did you see any like changes with adapt in terms of like marketing and then like more traffic coming in after you put that the backstory of that first audience, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So all the time. And so (laughs) I love seeing it. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, so Ashley V is this awesome model that one of the first people we ever worked with, you know, with our, our women's clothing and we've been working with her ever since. And, uh, we, yeah, we had the opportunity to do some billboards. Um, I don't, we don't do traditional marketing in the sense that like, you know, as it, as it pertained to print marketing, mm-hmm. you know, prior to Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. But, you know, I always thought a billboard would be really cool because and just growing up, like I always would look at these billboards and they're just, they're just so interesting to me. And it's just such a huge canvas. Mm-hmm. You can't escape it. And you know, there's so much potential with what you could put on such a big canvas. And given that opportunity, you know, I just wanted to do something that would really stand out. And, and Ashley, you know, we, we had Amari, who's this photographer I've been working with for, for years that just does amazing photography for pretty much, you know, all of our collaborations and stuff. And he, you know, we came out and we shot some photos with Ashley that were, you know, the intention was to be for the billboard, Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we, we just put it up and, you know, we, we typically do billboards when there's, you know, it's maybe like the holidays are coming up or there's some sports team that's doing well. So in terms of like what impact it had, I don't really ever know, like there's no way to get metrics on that. Yeah. But, but what I do know is like tons of people would message us, email us like to say, Hey, Oh, you know, we, we heard about you cause we saw this billboard, um, and stuff. So it absolutely has positive effects. I just don't know really how to quantify that, but it it absolutely, you know, creates a lot of goodwill. It's, you know, certainly Ashley loved, you know, seeing herself up there and and we were just talking the other day, hopefully we could do another one at at some point relatively soon. But 
Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love billboards. I think that they're just awesome. Like they're just big and huge and you can put whatever message you want on there and it's it's just kind of a lot of fun. Yeah, I like that. I think, we, awesome. I think it's still up. I mean, we drive by there. Almost I think they've probably taken it down by now because <laughs> it would probably been charging me a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I mean, maybe it is. Hopefully, hopefully uh, they forgot about that. <laughs> just, I just leave that alone. You don't got to worry about that. <laughs> too much work anyway. <laughs> yeah, too much work to take that down. <laughs> so, Evan, what are your goals for 2021 for Adapt and for yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, 2020, of course, was insane for everyone. We, uh, being an online-based business, you know, thankfully we were kind of shielded from a lot of the negative aspects as it pertains to, you know, physical retail and things. You know, obviously our stores were closed um, during a lot of that time. We, we technically could open, but, I, you know, I thought it was in our best interest to maybe just focus on the web store during this kind of volatile time. Um, and so, you know, the web store, thankfully, thankfully was solid. Um, in 2021, I would absolutely, you know, like to reopen our stores, our physical stores. I really miss, you know, interacting with our customers. I love, you know, one of my favorite parts of running the business is just, you know, talking to people that come into the store, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I want to hear what they're all about and, you know, kind of what, what designs they like and, you know, what they would like us to maybe do in the future and just, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, particularly now when we're so socially distanced, it's like, I'm just going stir crazy. You know, I, like I would love to get back to some of that normal that we used to have. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of fun stuff planned We're it's actually the 10 year anniversary of gold blooded. Oh. So we're working with a bun bunch of different, um, entities, uh, that we've worked with over the years on some cool collaborations. So I'm super excited for that. We just locked one in this morning. So like, yeah, just um, absolutely looking forward to that project because we haven't done anything of that scope where we're doing so many different collaborations for one purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, but in general, I don't really forecast much of, you know, oh, here's here's our plan for 2021. Here's what we're going to do for 2022. I, I literally don't don't know. And again, you know, that goes back to, for me, the beauty of, not having to run stuff by other people because, you know, if some VC was back in or something and they said, Hey, you know, we, we need to see what your forecasts are for the next eight quarters or something. It's like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm just playing it by ear, <laughs> whatever inspires me, whatever I decide to do, you know, from, from month to month is, is very malleable. So I like, I like that freedom for sure. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff planned for the year. Definitely. Awesome. Well, happy 10 years to Gold Blooded, and we're super Thank excited you. to see the new collaborations coming up for Adapt. Uh, we have one last question for you, Evan, and that's what one advice could you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? Yeah, um, always a great question. So plenty of advice, but for one thing, I would say um, to, you know, so in 2021, you know, we've never been in a time where there's been as much opportunity as the entrepreneur mm -hmm. to become successful, right? Like there's so many venues and channels and ways that you can be successful from your living room, from your bedroom, right? You don't even have to leave your house. Um, but there's so many opportunities. So 
I would say that, you know, anyone who is thinking about doing something a little bit non-traditionally, um, to absolutely pursue it. Right. And don't like, I mean, certainly don't just jump into it willy nilly, but absolutely, you know, try it because, you know, I believe that if, if you really try it, you know, try doing what you want to do and it doesn't work out, like that's fine. Right. And now, you know, that that thing is maybe not the best for you. And then you could try something else because, and because of the amount of different ways that you can be successful, you know, doing ostensibly what you love to do that you should try to do those things. So I think that people shouldn't be afraid of failure and afraid of leaving that corporate gig, you know, um, because there's just, because we're just, it's an unprecedented time of opportunities. And so, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, because every time I hear that somebody, you know, Hey, they, they started their own, you know, cooking thing or they're selling stuff through Instagram. Like that's, that's great. Like I love to hear all of that stuff. And I just think more people should pursue it. Right. If, if you feel like you have a skill or you feel really passionate about something, try it. And if it doesn't work, at least, you know, that you tried it and you can maybe try the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess succinctly, that would just be go for, go for the gusto, you know, try to try to make it work. Yeah. Love it. Very sound advice. And how can our listeners find out more about you and adopt clothing online? Yeah. So adoptclothing.com is the website. Um, Instagram is at adapt. Twitter is at adapt. And then I think it's Facebook com slash adapt clothing uh yeah so those are the main channels that that we're in we we do most of our sales online and then hopefully you know by maybe mid-year we'll get our uh, we have a location here in san francisco in the sunset um a physical store as well as one in san leandro in the east bay so yeah hopefully we'll get those opened up really awesome. i do want to mention that evan is our episode one of age and spotlights on youtube mm-hmm. please check that out as well all right uh, Yes, that was the only one that we got to do in person. Before the pandemic. <laughs> Before oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I think we just missed the cutoff on that one. I think yeah. back on that one. Yeah, Yeah. so go ahead and That's check crazy. that out. Thank you so much, Evan, for being on the show. It was awesome hearing yeah. your story. Thank you guys so much. I always love, always love chatting with you guys. So appreciate it. great. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.